get into the message this morning, we are starting a new series called Stand Strong. I just mentioned that. And it's so closely attached to the last uh, series. I love it. The last series we went through was talking about our faith coming alive. If you're, if you're like me, there's been times in your life where your faith wasn't really alive. I mean, you believed in Jesus, you were striving to follow Jesus, but the faith that you had within you wasn't demonstrated to the world around you. And that's what the last series was about, demonstrating who we are as Christ followers to the world around us. In like manner, as we talk about this series, go through the series, Stand Strong, in the same way, what we're aiming at being, and we haven't done well, this is never judgment, uh, because I'm, I'm I'm with this. I'm, I'm in this with you. But we as the church in general, not grace, we just, we haven't done well at standing out in the world. And I'm not talking about like in the crazy fanatical, like there's the Bible thumpers. I'm not talking about the preachers yelling on the corner or some crazy things happening in a church building. I'm talking about if we live like Jesus, we're definitely going to be different than the world. It's really that simple. I look at what Jesus did, what I can read about in scripture. I look at what he did there and I just say, man, I'm, I need to start doing that. I need to start praying like that. I need to be bold enough to minister to somebody on a street corner or in the marketplace. Like if we just begin to live like Jesus, we would stand out in the world. But the reality is this, there are so many pressures and this is for every age group. You know, it used to be we wouldn't even think about having a message like this for a seven-year-old, but the reality is today, especially because of our school systems, this is there too. As parents, we have to take this series that we're going through, talking about standing strong, and we've got to teach our children what it means to stand strong in who they are in Christ. Because the pressures that abound are, are on us as adults. We don't escape it. But it goes all the way down to such young children now, even in, in kindergarten, where these pressures are all around them. And we're going to talk about that this morning. As Christ followers, we are called to live in the world, but not of the world. The challenge is to engage our culture without compromising our faith. Listen, I, I know that I've been, I've been in ministry since like 91. I've always followed Jesus and loved Jesus and strived to live for him. And so I've seen these waves happen within the church. There's different models and, uh, you know, we have attraction model and we have this model and, and, and all these models. And, and it just seems like we've had this uh, wave of different things that we're, we're trying. When, when I believe if we would just live like Jesus as Christ followers, we wouldn't compromise any of the things uh, in our life that that are being compromised currently as, as the church. Should ch I, th I think church should be fun. I think Jesus was probably a cool dude to hang out with. And then at the same time, he, he was incredible because he said this, I only do what my father tells me to do. I only say what my father tells me to say. So I think church should be fun and it should be engaging and we should receive, but more importantly, we should give and all these things should happen. But in reality, as, as Christ followers, if we would just live like Jesus lived, everything would change, I think even including our church. To stand strong in a shifting culture, yet have influence in the culture, we must be anchored to God, committed to truth, and have compassion for others. Anytime I get to this word truth, I kind of shudder just a little bit. Because in our culture today, and it's crept into the church too, like truth is always relative to how I feel. And can I say this? The truth of God's word and the power of God's word is not relative to how you feel or how you think. It is exactly how God put it in scripture. 
how he breathed it. We believe that scripture is God breathed, God inspired. He was speaking it and the authors were writing it or pinning it onto paper. So I don't have to go to this and then, oh, well, how do I change this truth to apply to my circumstance? No, change my circumstances to line up with the truth. Change my life to line up with the truth. Change how I think to line up with the truth of God's word. We see it happen over and over and over and we see leaders in the church fall year after year after year, more and more church leaders falling, those who are prominent and well-known. And, and I believe because somewhere along the line in their private life, they begin to step away and walk away from truth. And let's not be that. Let's be those who stand on truth even when things get really difficult. Even if, even if you're the only one in the room saying, but God's word says. And that might even happen in, among other Christ followers. But, but wait, God's word says. I, I hear all that, but let's go to God's word. So as we go through this series, we're going to be looking at Daniel and some other characters within the book of Daniel. Daniel was a young Jewish man who was taken into captivity by the Babylonians. He was Jewish, taken into captivity by the Babylonians during the invasion of Judah. King Nebuchadnezzar took the brightest young Jewish boys to brainwash them and train them in the ways of the Babylonians so that they could serve in the king's court. So Daniel and his friends found themselves in the dilemma of honoring God while being in a culture that was opposed to God. In the midst of the pressure to conform, Daniel stood strong and became a man of influence. In our own lives as Christ followers, in a world that is not following after God, let's figure out, and, and the Holy Spirit will empower us to do so, but let's figure out how we can stand strong without compromise, at the same time, sometimes honoring leaders who are not honoring God. And to be honest, like, I don't know how to do that completely. Man, there's so much reliance on the Holy Spirit in those moments, like, how do I honor a God? How do I honor a boss? maybe, who is not also honoring God. Daniel figured it out. He figured it out because I believe he was constantly leaning in to the Holy Spirit, leaning into the Spirit of God and doing what the Spirit of God wanted him to do. We don't have time to read the whole passage, Jan Daniel chapter 1, verses 14 through 21, but we'll see mention of Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, which later become Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We recognize those names. Daniel and his friends lived in a land that was not their own, confronted with the pressure of conforming to the culture and ways of the Babylonians. I mentioned it before, but John 17, 14 says this, and I want to read it out of the New Living Translations. Typically, we have NIV on the screen, but this is the New Living Translation. John 17, 14 says this. This is Jesus speaking. He's talking about his disciples, his followers. He says, I have given them your word, and the world hates them, because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Think about that for just a moment. I don't know that I've ever been hated because I was living my life like Jesus, but Jesus is declaring this about his, his followers, the disciples. He was declaring this, he was saying it, it wasn't like this thing he was casting on them, he just knew it to be so, that if we're living according to God's world, there's gonna be times where the world hates us. And so there's this pressure, do I continue to live that way or are there little things I can do to compromise, to appease others, but also say that I honor God? I found this illustration and I thought it was pretty interesting, being in the world and not of the world. 
It's a lot like a boat in the water. The boat is designed to float in the water, to be in the water surrounded by it on all sides, but there should not be any water in the boat. How many of you have a boat? Anybody have a boat in here? How many of you would like, if, you're, if you launched it, you're now in the water, you forgot to put the plug in at the back or wherever it's located, all of a sudden water started coming in the boat. How many of y'all would just be like, no, it's okay. It's, it's all right. Let's just ignore it. Let's not pay any attention to the water that is coming into our boat. I had a friend and he, he, had, he had several boats. He had several boats. His family had several boats growing up. And this is not an exaggeration. Every time I went out with him, something happened. One time it actually did begin to sink because he forgot to put the plug in and I'm the one in the boat. And, and so now I'm trying to reach for the dock and pull the boat to the dock and screaming for a rope. And this boat, it literally went underwater and we, we couldn't boat that day, which is just <laughs> what happened, which is what happened every time I went out on the boat with this guy. The engine wouldn't start or we'd get out there and we're playing in the water and he'd start to, it couldn't get the engine back up. And so we're paddling this big boat back to every time. But none of us, if we're in a boat and water started to come in, we just like, eh. But really, that's what we do in our life. When we talk about being in the world and not of it, it's like this boat. We're there and it's around us all the, all the time. But if we begin to let it come into our lives, there's a big problem. And we've got to recognize that and we've got to do something. We've got to do something about it. So let's talk about standing strong in the pressures that we face in life. And the first one is this, and we see it in Daniel 1.4, but the pressure to change our thinking. Listen, let's not ever gloss over the influence of our own minds. Because our minds make us think certain ways and feel certain things and do certain things. And the Bible says that we're transformed by allowing God to change the way we think. Yet we're in this culture that is constantly, constantly pressuring us to conform our way of thinking with the world's way of thinking. In Daniel 1.4, it says, Young men without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's place. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. So what was happening in reality was the king and his appointees were taking Jewish young boys and bringing them in for this training process where they would one day serve in the king's court. Part of that training was they wanted to change the way these young Jewish boys thought. I've got to change their way of thinking. I mean, that's happening in our culture today. We constantly have this pressure of giving in to the way that the world thinks. And what I'm saying is the world really isn't looking for us to think the same way. They're really not looking for that. There's pressure for that to happen, but the world is looking for people who will think differently, think like Jesus. Why? Because they need Jesus. They don't need more of the world. How do I know that? Because of the things that they begin to search out. When people are looking for hope and they're looking for answers and they're, and they're looking for something to bring satisfaction to their lives or fulfillment to the lives, the places that they're going are other people who don't know Jesus. They're going to alcohol and they're going to drugs. They're going to pornography. The statistics of this keep going and going and going. Why? Because we continually live in a society that needs the hope of Jesus. Sometimes they just don't know it. But the pressures of our world are going to try to change the way you think to think more like them. And what I'm saying is, let's be transformed by allowing God to change the way we think so that we think more like Jesus. Now, if if that begins to happen in our life, there might be some, some controversy and increased pressures. But let's be those who don't conform 
to the way that the world thinks. There's this term called uh, conditioned thinking. If you're in marketing, uh, you do this. I actually learned this in a negotiation class. That's interesting, right? I took a negotiation class. <laughs> in marketing, they use this technique a lot, and, and all of us in this room have uh, fallen prey to their schemes. But marketing, this conditioned way of thinking, they keep putting it out there and keep putting it out there and they keep putting it out there until we either want to buy it or we think it's normal or we think it's something that we want or we think that it's something that we need. They condition us to think certain ways. That's not happening just in media. That's happening in our schools. That's happening in politics. Sometimes that's happening in the church. And, and I'm saying, let's not be conditioned to think the way that the world thinks. Let's condition them to think the way that Jesus thinks. Here's the second pressure that we face, pressure to change our identity. We see this actually literally happen in Daniel 1, verses 7. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, he named Daniel Belshazzar. To Hananiah, he named Hananiah Shadrach. To Mishael, he named him Meshach. Meshach. And to Azariah Abednego. Like we recognize those names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the chief officials was, were taking these Jewish young men and the part of the conformity to now a pagan culture, he was, they were literally changing their names. It's pretty interesting to me, and I can't find any reason as I do my studies of why, but it's interesting to me that we continue to see Daniel's name mentioned in scripture, but we see the mention of uh, Hananiah and Meshiel and Meshach, we see, we see their names actually change and we follow, isn't that interesting? Like we see Daniel, his name, but Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. Listen, every one of us has given in to the pressure of changing our identity. Have you ever conformed to the way of thinking? Maybe because most of the people in the room were thinking this way. Have we ever purchased a certain brand? Come on now. Every one of us has done this. Have we ever cut our hair a certain way, wore certain shoes, wore certain glasses? You know, in our culture today, and, and we adults, we fall prey to it too. We change our identity because of what's happening in the world around us. There's so many fads, and uh, I was one of those very awkward uh, people growing up because I was so against trends and fads. I was just so against them. Uh, so they're happening all around me, and, and the only reason, I would like some of the stuff that was happening, but th and this is so funny. Like, I would wait until it was just going out of style, and then, I'd, then I would buy it because I liked it. I just didn't want to let everybody know that I liked it. Like parachute pants. Boy, that's going back. How many of you, I'm 49. I'll be 49 here uh, in just a few weeks. I'm 49. How many of y'all remember parachute pants? Okay, good. There's more people in the room than parachute. Or my black, the first like name brand shoes that I bought because I was mowing lawns was black and red suede Pumas. Like those were in, but when I bought them, they had just gone out and I think Nike ended up starting to get real big then. But you know, right, this whole pressure that we have to conform, it's with adults, it's with young people, it's with kids. The pressure to change our identity. I love the fact that Jesus comes onto the scene and he was always just Jesus. And look how many people, how many, how many lives were transformed, touched, healed, transformed, delivered, because Jesus was just always Jesus. Let's follow that example. Let's just always be Jesus. And, and it, may not, it may not be that everybody likes us. In fact, Jesus, even in his hometown, we see a story where he's like, well, I got to get out of here because they were about to mob him, perhaps even uh, injure or kill him. And he says, I can't even go there. So we're going to experience that. 
but we're also going to experience the life transformation, not just in us, but around us. This pressure to change our identity. Here's the third pressure. A pressure to change our worship. We also see that in the renaming of these young men. Why? Because now these were pagan names. These were names now given to these Jewish young men that would go along with their pagan way of worship. So this king, these officials weren't just trying to change the way they think and change their identity. They were actually trying to change the way that these young men would worship. We know it to be true because so, if you go on in the story, there was a moment where the king's edict was when the music or the horn begins to play, everyone is to bow down to this uh, false god. And we know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chooses not to. And they were thrown in the fiery furnace. In our own culture today, and it's crept into the church, there's an influence and pressure to change the way that we worship. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not saying this because I realize uh, missing church is okay. Not being at church on a Sunday morning is okay. Uh, you're not going to go to hell if you miss a uh, church service on Sunday morning. The church should really be happening every day of the week outside of this building. However, God has designed us to get together, and the reason isn't for just you. The reason is for the person sitting next to you and in front of you, and behind you. He brings you here to minister to them, to encourage them, to lift your hands in worship and motivate and influence other people to do the same thing, to lift our voice so that the room is filled with worship. That's a reason that God designs for us to get together. Yet in our culture today, it's shifting, and the church attendance is dwindling year after year after year after year. Now, it's a shame if one of the reasons, and it is, is that the, that church service is no longer relevant We've got to change that. But relevancy doesn't come from just the front and the songs that we sing. Relevancy comes as you as Christ followers, as the family of God begins to minister to those right around you, to encourage those right around you. But it's changed. Society, culture, the world has changed even our ways of worshiping. Back when I was growing up, how many of you, uh, how many of you are around 40, 49? So you'll, re you'll remember... <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. You're around. You're around it. This might be a larger circle, but. <laughs> I have to be careful. I made an old comment just a few weeks ago and got in trouble. So I'm not going to. Anyways, you are around 49. If you're like me growing up, I remember this. I remember that we had a church service on Sunday morning. Uh, actually, we had Sunday school and then a church service. So I was in Sunday school. Boy, did the teachers love me. Not so much. Uh, and then we had the service, and then we had Sunday evening service, and then we had Wednesday night service, and then we would have prayer, we have common meals, we would have life groups. It was happening all the time, and it was just this sense of if it was happening, we needed to be there. And so back then, if you were considered an engaged member, or we call them partners here at Grace, if you were engaged, it means you were attending something twice a week. Today, if you do that same study, it's twice a month. Yeah, we should, we should say, whoa. And that's none of you guys. But twice a month, and, and why, why is that? I think there's many, many reasons why that is happening. But listen, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that one of the schemes of the enemy is to separate you from other family members. And I'm not saying come here, but get together. Get together somehow. Call each other up, do Zoom calls, team calls, whatever you want to use, FaceTime. There's times that you can get together throughout the week and you would say, okay, that's one of those engaged moments. Because I'm not talking about engaging with the building. I'm talking about engaging with the church. 
And we've kind of walked away from that. And I think the enemy is just kind of sitting back going, man, I almost got him. I almost got him. Changing the way, this pressure to change the way that we worship. Here's the fourth thing. Pressure to change our way of living. Daniel chapter 1, verses 5 through 8 says, The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those were chosen were uh, some from Judah, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The chief official gave them new names. Verse 8, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. I love this. I love this because we don't necessarily see that God's saying, hey, Daniel, watch it. I don't want you to eat that. But Daniel knew what his life before this moment was and what it looked like devoted to God. And he wanted to carry that same devotion even into this moment. And so even though, man, there's this awesome wine and this awesome food put around Daniel, all the, how many of y'all just love a good buffet? Yeah. Just any type of food you can imagine was probably there. And Daniel says, man, my devotion to God compels me to continue to live in a way that's not represented here. And because he honored God, he also found favor with the king. But Daniel had to resolve that within his own heart. So listen, when we choose to honor God and not go the way of the world, here's some things. Here's some things that we can expect. The first this is this. God gives us insight and understanding to live effectively. We see that in Daniel uh, 1.17. It says, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding. Listen, have you been asking God for more knowledge and more understanding? Then I would say it's going to be found and experienced as you devote your life more to him. God gave them knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. It's incredible to me. And I think this is all coming from the source of their devotion to honor God. So God gives us insight and understanding. The second thing is God grants us favor with people. We just read about that in, in Daniel 1, 19 and 20. In fact, verse 20 says this, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And we're talking about a group of young men, a small group of young men who decide they're gonna continue to honor God, to worship God, to live for God, and they're finding favor with a pagan king. I've known so many Christians that say, well, if I just change this, more people accept me, and that's kind of my foot in the door. No, no, no. Let's continue to live like Jesus because God will open the door. He'll provide these opportunities to us that go far beyond what we can imagine. I, I, felt, I have felt so uh, honored and, and privileged to be invited on a, a part of a team, and, and Pastor Nick, who was here uh, months ago as our student pastor, he kind of opened the door and started this relationship. Uh, but we have a, an ongoing, growing relationship with East Lincoln High School, with some of the teachers there. And now I, I got to meet the principal, and so I'm so excited about that. But because I'm, I'm reaching out and I'm, I'm constantly in communication with one of the teachers there, I've been invited to be on this team that's called, uh, it's titled SIT. And SIT stands for School Improvement Team. And I didn't really know what it was all about, but I thought, man, I'm going to go. I mean, if, if I get to rub shoulders with the principal and other teachers, I'm, I'm going. 
So I went to my first meeting this past Wednesday. It'll happen twice a month. But in this meeting, I was just like, oh, man, this is so awesome. Like they're voting on certain things. We're talking about disciplinary issues, what happened yesterday and what could happen in the same situation to make it better for the student to show, you know, more compassion to the student. And how do we, how do we keep reaching out to students in extracurricular uh, activities? And so one of, the, one of the discussions went to homecoming dance, which typically happens on Friday night. And one of the parents that were represented there uh, tossed out the idea, could it happen on a Saturday night? Because my girls don't want to dress up to go to a football game and then go to the dance afterwards. They just want to go to the dance. And so this was the comment that the principal made. The principal said, man, this is a wonderful idea. However, I can't require faculty and teachers to be there on Saturday night. And I don't know that we can get enough to come. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, but we will. We'll We'll get people to come. And the student pastor for Lake Forest was also there. And I knew we were locking eyes across the table. And then Courtney Murdoch, who's one of the teachers, she was looking at us. And she finally said, yeah, but these guys, these guys will bring people. And so I was able to ask the question, like, what, what ratio are you, how many, how many staff do you need and how many volunteers can we have? And so for me, like, I was just blown away by the fact that God has given us, not me, us as grace, this opportunity. Listen, if we have the opportunity to go serve at this dance, I want us there. And what will we encounter? We'll encounter some pretty, uh, pretty crazy music, right? I'm pretty certain they're not going to be singing about Jesus. <laughs> What's that? Keep, yeah. Yes, yeah, so we're, we're not going to be hearing songs about Jesus. I mean, they're probably not going to be doing the praise dance. They're probably going to be doing some other dancing. Hands might go to places that hands shouldn't go to. Anybody having flashbacks, PTSD, of the last school dance that they went to? Forgive me, Lord, forgive me. Right, but there's this awesome opportunity that me representing Jesus in a very loving, compassionate way, you representing Jesus in this loving and compassionate way that we get to hang out with people who need Jesus. Listen, that's an opportunity we can't pass up, and I'm praying for God to open up more and more and more opportunities for us as a church just to show up. He's not asking us to go preach the gospel while the kids dance, not just whisper Jesus, you know, in their ear on the way to get a drink, or he's not, he's just asking us to show up and love them and show compassion to them. We don't have to show up and change their life. Let Jesus do that in his time, right? But he's given us this opportunity. He's going to grant us more and more and more and more favor as Grace Covenant East Lincoln. I'm confident of that. Here's the third thing. God positions us to be influence or to be people of influence in the same opportunity that I just mentioned. Wouldn't it be awesome that we begin to see our school systems change because the influence of the church, not just grace, because there's other wonderful churches in our community. Other wonderful churches in our community. I'm starting to meet some of those pastors, and I'm just so thankful for what God's doing around our community. I'm obviously within grace, but wouldn't it be awesome to see our community changed because the influence of our churches in our community. Not the influence of what's happening here in this building, but what's happening as we go to work on Monday, as we go to school on Monday, as we get engaged with different activities and events. We had this national night out and a, and a few of us went and served national night out and my mind was just skyrocketing on all the things that we could do next year at national night out. Just engage our community. Listen, if we begin to live like Jesus, honor God and worship God, God's going to position us to be people of influence in our community. We see that happen with Daniel. 
Listen, like the prophet Daniel, you and I can become catalysts for redemptive change in our time, not future, not tomorrow, not right now. We can become this. We can be people of influence effectively representing God in a broken world. Let's just close our eyes. I have a few questions to ask just as you respond to the Holy Spirit and then we'll stand and sing a song of worship. But what is God speaking to you this morning? Has something been said? Maybe it was during a time of worship. I don't, I don't ever feel like that you only hear from God in the moment that I'm or somebody else is presenting the word. God may have been speaking to you something even in our time of worship, but in the last few moments, maybe in these next few moments, what is God speaking to you? Is he revealing some areas of your life where you've given into the pressure to conform to the ways of this world? Maybe it be thinking, maybe it's the way that you live, maybe it's the way that you worship, that there's just some areas that the Holy Spirit is revealing to say, you've kind of given into this pressure. Don't, don't be beat up by that because it happens in our lives, all of us in this room. But I believe that, that God, the Holy Spirit is empowering us so this happens less frequently in us. But what are some areas of your life where you've given into those pressures? And then is he asking you to increase your devotion to him and your worship to him? Maybe it's more commitment to a gathering, whether it be at this church or another church. Maybe it's more of a commitment just to the people right around you that you're gonna start calling them and praying for them throughout the week, that you're gonna follow those promptings that you're feeling just to reach out and give a word of encouragement. What is the, what is the increase of your devotion of worship to him? Because he, as that increases, it's gonna be demonstrated in, in how you interact with those that are in the room and how you interact with those in our community, in the world around us. Just with those questions kind of illuminated in your mind, let's stand and sing this song of worship. Here is in heaven, believing that the kingdom of heaven is right here, right now, and God wants to move.